Hey, and welcome to Tomorrow. I'm your host, Joshua Topolsky. Today on the podcast, we discuss getting a haircut from Kim Gordon, pretending to like Muse, and kids, the movie, and the people. But first, a word from our sponsor. This episode of Tomorrow is supported by Wonder Capital. Wonder Capital is the leading online investment platform that allows individuals to invest in large-scale solar projects across the U.S. Wonder Solar Investment Fund allows you to earn up to 11% annually while diversifying your portfolio, curbing pollution, in combating global climate change, which I think we can all agree kind of sucks. Wonder Capital uses sophisticated underwriting and investing algorithms to help you achieve your investment goals. Best of all, Wonder Capital doesn't take any fees for investing your money. Wonder Capital, a Techstars-backed financial company, is headquartered in the delightful Boulder, Colorado region. Thousands of users are already taking advantage of Wonder's platform. Create an account for free at wondercapital.com slash tomorrow. That's Wonder with a U. Invest in Wonder Capital solar funds. Do well and do good. Um, my guest today is a comedian, a writer, a DJ, a gadfly, a professional art critic, and according to Wikipedia, an American satirist. My guest is, of course, Jake Fogelness. Jake, thank you for being here. I would love, thank you for having me. Yeah. I would love to know who's going into my Wikipedia page and putting in things like American satirist, and it used to say a noble man. Yeah, I, I thought that, that American satirist was definitely a, a personal edit. I thought there's no way... I, that didn't I, come directly from Vogelnest. No, I, I mean, it's it sounds like something that I would do. I have never figured out how to edit Wikipedia. It's very it's, easy. Very easy. I spend, I spend 50% of my day editing my Wikipedia page. <laughs> That's actually what's been keeping me busy lately is just trying to get it really fine-tuned. You know, actually, I'm just going to go off on a tangent real quick. There was a... a Many years ago, uh, I, I think I was drinking. I think drinking was involved. A friend of mine and I... Uh, started making very small changes to Wikipedia pages, very insignificant changes to a variety of Wikipedia pages. One of them was um, the Wheat Thins page. Uh-huh. And it was the flavors that were available, <laughs> the, the types of Wheat Thins you could get. And, you know, like we, we had one that was like Chipotle Blast or something, like all because they all have these crazy names. And at least one of them has now become like, I don't know, this might be illegal. Who knows? One of them has become like, if you Google it, I can't remember exactly what it is, but if you Google it, like it's out there, it's like a flavor wow. of wheat thins. So, you know, we've broken uh, history. I have had so for years about. what I think is a, a billion dollar ad campaign for wheat thins. And I don't know anyone at wheat thins. That Can you talk to get... about well, I got to hear about this. Well, I just, we're all familiar with the lover boy song. Everybody's working for the weekend, right? <laughs> So, I, by the way, I'll probably put a little clip of it in here for those who aren't familiar. Yeah. Great song. But, great 80s hit. Great 80s hit. And to me, it's right there. You know, everybody's working for the wheat thins. It's, is, it's <laughs> genius. Yes. And like surprising they have not capitalized on that. I know, like get, get like Danny McBride with like an electric guitar and a headband and, you know, pay him a bunch of money. And then you've got like a fun you know, it'd be, it'll be like, you remember Rock of Ages? It'd be like Rock of Ages, but for the Wheat Thins Corporation. <laughs> the Rock Just, of Ages, the um, incredible failure of a film or the hit Broadway musical? I've not seen the film. I've only <laughs> seen the hit Broadway musical. I would <laughs> like to point out that that role was originated. The role of Stacey Jacks was originated in Los Angeles.
Angeles by Chris Hardwick. I feel like that has what? gotten lo- it's uh, absolutely no. true. Yeah, Chris Hardwick played Stacy Jacks in the uh, Rock of Ages debut in Los Angeles. What? I mean, yeah. you just fucking are yeah. blowing my mind right now. You're Chris Hardwick, host of Midnight at yep. whatever the, the the Twitter show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At Midnight's Chris at Hardwick. Midnight's at Midnight. You're saying yeah. that he. He, he was, was Stacy Jacks. Stacy oh. Jacks. The, the the role that was eventually played by Tom Cruise in the yep. film. Yep. And he and did, he was singing and dancing. Chris can sing. Like really? Chris is, yeah, Chris can sing. You know? Wow. Uh, and uh, so I don't know if this blown. leads to uh, to Tom Cruise hosting like the Walking Dead after show at some yeah. point. Yeah, Tom but- Cruise is Tom Cruise is Talking Dead. I think that's <laughs> something that could really happen. I think, listen, as a person who knows Tom Cruise quite well, I can tell you that he loves uh, talking about The Walking Dead. It's one of his yeah. favorite. <laughs> but, he, but I heard that he's going to be hosting the after show for HBO's Vinyl. So, uh, is that right? That's a, <laughs> in the character of Stacey Jacks. Is that the, the name yeah. of Stacey Jacks? Is that right? If Stacey Jacks, full makeup. If Stacey Jacks doesn't show up in HBO's Vinyl, that show is a failure <laughs> to me. Bullshit. It's a bullshit show, uh, and it can't be trusted. Well, this is great. This is, I think, uh, for those of for the listeners who don't know you, and as I said before we started and it's only going to be a handful. Uh, <laughs> this is a great taste of your world. We're getting a lot of information right now. Uh, first off, I want to talk about the Wheat Thins thing. I think that you've got something. I think that you've missed your calling. Uh, you know, all this writing and this comedy and DJing and whatever else is you're, you're up to. You should go right into advertising. I should just move to like Chicago. Yeah, or- like, you know how like John Hughes was like in advertising in Chicago and then he found himself at the National Lampoon and then writing, you know, all these great classic movies. I should do that in reverse. Yeah, now no, that, you're, well, yeah. yeah, you're going the wrong direction. I am. I absolutely am. Well, you're moving from you're moving from that stuff into advertising. I, well, I wonder what you make. Like, if I come up with everybody's working for the Wheat Thins, like, like how, how much do I get? Because then it's not yeah, even there, my is, song. Right. Is like, a, I mean, I assume you get, I mean, I don't know what role you would be in. Like, are you a creative director? Are you some kind of like partner at an ad? I don't know who you were, where oh you my have God. to be. Just, just fantasizing about it is bumming me out. You're, just, like, you're like an ideas man. Oh. Just think about it. It's a real drag. I can tell you right now, because I obviously in the world of media come into contact with, you know, sure. News, with ad people and people selling ads and people buying ads. And like, there is definitely, there are levels, look, there are levels to that job that are clearly very fun. Uh, there are also levels where it's like, you're sweating out, you're doing these, like you're trying to come up with everybody's working for the wheat thins. And you've got like 300 variations of that set to 300 different songs. I don't think it's, I don't think it's that much fun actually. And then you, and then you have to sort of rely on the, uh, you know, the good taste of like the CEO at wheat thins and yeah. have to convince them. No, 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 no. This is the good idea. Yeah. Well, Ugh. that's, that's what all business is, is convincing people that's who true. are in a level, uh, another level higher than you, that you have a good idea. Yeah. I think almost true. all business can be summed up as like you trying to convince people that they should do the thing that you think is good. Yep. At least right. in my world and probably in your world, you probably spend a lot of time pitching shit to people going like, here's this amazing thing that we should do. And you're just like selling them on this concept that you might have a better idea than somebody else. I feel like it's about making people, first of all, it's about having a, a good idea. And which then it's very about, difficult. Yeah. Which is the really hard part. People really, then, people really don't know how hard it is to have a good idea. Yeah. That's you know, part of the problem. The, you know, so if you, if you happen to be 
lucky enough uh, to be someone who's talented and can have a good idea, then it is about reassuring people that it is a good idea, that you have a complete vision for it, making them feel included in the process, being open enough to their their ideas, which some of them might be good and not being so like, you know, mired in your own sort of vision uh, and, and recognize, at least in television, like recognizing, oh, this is a collaborative thing. And then just making sure people have as much information so that they cannot say no. Like right. That seems to me the, right. the, the job. But the know? thing is, I think at the end of the advertising gig, um, I don't know if it's as fulfilling as like somebody accepting your idea, then you get to like make something. Cause like if you're, I, I think if, if you've got the idea there, then are going to be other people who make that. It's like going to go run off and do this. Yeah. Then you don't get to, yeah. Then song. you got to give it to the copywriter and then, right. you know, then a, a director's going to get, yeah, it's, it's, but maybe it is sort of like being a showrunner. Um, but maybe. you're just making it depends it, on your role, I guess. Yeah. I, I like don't the, know. I like us speculating on what it might be like. This is the whole show should be <laughs> us. Just, what might it be like to be an ad person instead of, you know, doing whatever it is we do. What's I, it like to be normal and not in show business? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. What would it be like? Um, I do think all the time, like, what if I just had a job, regular job that yeah. did, where there was like no pressure, you were just, you had to just like put in eight hours every day. Sounds like a dream in some ways. It could be, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I feel like uh, I feel like I was, was never out there though. So. It was never going to happen for me. No, just, well, you know, and let's yeah. talk about that. Actually, let's go back. Okay. Uh, when you were fourteen years old, yes, you had a television show on public access, a public access in New York, right? Yes, in New York City. Uh, it called Squirt TV. Is that the name of the show? Yep, Squirt TV. And and you were fourteen years old. You were just a little baby. Yep. Uh, and it was a talk show. Yeah. This, by the way, I want to say is a dream of, I think, every uh, young man in America, at least in my, we're close in age. I think that there was definitely an era like the golden era coming out of like the golden era of like SNL and Letterman and like really great late night shows in America. There was definitely yep. a period in the 80s and 90s where I like definitely, I feel like everybody's dream was like, I want to have a talk show. You know, I, I think so. I mean, I was completely my brain was completely formed by everything that you said, which is, you know, SNL and Letterman. Yeah, I mean, I watched Letterman, you know, on when he was doing late night. I mean, I religiously and I was like yeah. a little kid. I was not old enough to be staying up at like till 12, well, one thirty in the morning is when the show ended. I, I would either watch it live or tape it, you know, yeah. and yeah. and and I was tired at school every day because I was up until at least one fifteen. Uh, you know, I would maybe fall asleep during it, but, but like, do you find yourself, I have found myself recently in the last couple of weeks being like, Oh, it's 1130. And I'd like to watch Letterman. And it's just not there. Yeah, no, it's gone. He's and gone. it's and it's not to say that the guys that have the jobs now don't do a, a good job, but I consume their shows differently. It's I'm different. not trained. It's, I'm not trained to sit down and be like, well, what's Dave doing right now? Did you watch, did you watch a lot of his show, his 1130 show? I did. I, I more than I probably have all the others, yeah. you know, I think I, I definitely I mean, I had an. I, it's not like I don't think that he dramatically changed, but I definitely my relationship with late night TV got different after um, Letterman went off the air. It was like I kind of was like, well, this is the really weird part of it seemed like it was over. I mean, his show definitely on CBS at 1130 was a is a much was a much more adult affair i felt like in many ways he still did some of the same crazy shit but that that twelve thirty show was bizarre and conan's show yeah. and conan's show was completely insane at, at his twelve thirty, his late night was like 
I mean, some of the most unbelievable, most amazing, weird. I mean, do you remember the writer's strike, his shows during the writer's strike? Sure. The yeah. Conan's, I mean, not. Yeah, not yeah, Dave. Conan's, yeah. They were the craziest shows. They were so good. And it was just like, there was, it was, there was no show. It was like, everybody was just riffing. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like there was, after, after Conan, I, I guess I didn't watch a lot of Dave. I kind of transitioned into Conan and I kept yeah, watching Conan, that. I mean, Conan was doing, you know, I remember when Conan first started and he was, and, and I think he'll admit like it, it, he was not good at it. Um, but then he got really good at it and they started and it will, and, and I was around upright citizen, upright citizens brigade was starting in New York at that time. Uh, this was like 96, 97, 98. And, and that's when Conan would like all of the little bits that they would do were cast out of like UCB classes and then what became the UCB theater. Oh, really? And I, just, I just remember having a very long day at Conan where it was just me and a room full of child actors and Abe Vigoda. And then the bit got cut. I don't remember what the bit was, but I remember the day and like, you know, Conan, it was, it was totally crazy. It was just like, Hey, can you come in tomorrow at, at one and be, and put on a giant ant costume? Sure. Sure. No did, you, did, did you wear a giant ant costume? I don't. I don't think I wore a giant ant costume. I can't remember any of the Conan bits that that I did. But like you know, Amy Poehler used to be Andy Richter's little sister. And like if you go back and watch all of those shows, it's gonna you'll see like oh that's Paul Shear, that's Brian Husky, that's you know yeah uh, you know Besser. It's like it's how everybody sort of made a living. Was was it, off wasn't of the Conan doing a bunch of stuff with Conan? Louis was one of the original writers. Yeah, when that's the show right. First that's started. right. Yeah, Louis. Louis was a writer on the show. I first became aware of Louis C.K. Uh, when he did Pootie Tang, sure. which was like a huge bomb. I think people, no one liked it, but it's the yeah. it's a fucking hilarious movie. Louis, that I feel like I'm has not been seen by enough people. Well, it, it was a it was his first movie, and and I know that they took it away from him. Like Paramount said. You can't edit this movie anymore. <laughs> really? well, even even we, so, it's a very good film. We do not trust you. <laughs> and and he kept his name on it and stuff. But it's like it, you know, Louis. It wasn't sort of Louis's full vision. Yeah, I'd like um, to see the full vision. That's me a, too. That time, the time has come for that. If anybody is listening I, who can make it happen, please. And no one's listening who can make it happen. But I wonder. I wonder if any of the elements ex- like even exist. And like you know, yeah, they're in like, a line. Obviously, the full cut of Pootie Tang is at a limestone vault somewhere. <laughs> Just, just waiting to be dis- oh, rediscovered no. by a, a new generation. I'm sure. I wonder. I'm sure there's been conversations about a like you know. But well, now Louis, I'm sure they're like, holy shit! What can we do? We have anything that has Louis's name anywhere near yeah. it? Can we do something with that? Yeah. You know, like, can <laughs> we get guess, it out of the limestone cavern? I first became aware of Louis. Um, like at, at like rebar and Luna lounge, uh, like the alternative comedy nights they used to have on Monday and Louie would do, you know, stand up there and he was very, very silly. And then he had made all of these insane short films with like Rick Shapiro. And I still have a DVD of just short films by Louis CK and they're, they're insane. And Louie had also made this movie tomorrow night, which was, you know, just one of these things that gets passed around on a VHS tape. You can now get it on his website. Oh yeah. I remember when they, he released that like, uh, yeah. a couple years ago. I didn't yeah. see it. Should I see it's, it? It's Maybe totally worth seen it. seeing. It's like a weird, bizarre, surrealistic Louis CK movie. Uh, is it depressing? A, a little, you know, Louis stuff spots, is all like a little depressing. It's all a little depressing, but it's definitely, 
you know, it, it's it's very early sort of Woody Allen in the in the sense that like it's madcap mm-hmm. and it's zany and it's mm-hmm. a lot and it's surrealist. Uh, but yeah, no, it's great. It's great. That, but that was great. That's, that that's great what time. I came up with. You know, that's the, the time I came up in just like I did squirt. I did the public access show when I was a teenager, completely inspired by like Saturday night live and Letterman. And how then, did you, how did you actually, I have a question. I mean, not to mm-hmm. interrupt you, but I'm going to interrupt no. you. Like, so, okay. So you're, you're 14. I pres- mm-hmm. I presume maybe this there's a period period before you're 14 where you're 13 and you're like I want to make a show I don't know how long the the pre production was happening for but like how does that um how did that actually happen like what steps did you have to take to well, get a show on I don't know the difficulty of getting a show on, on uh, public I'll, I'll access I'll tell you I'll tell you how just how easy it is <laughs> okay good um, there's an organization called the Manhattan Neighborhood Network. It is a government-funded organization. Um, it was born out of the fact that many, many years ago, like in 1970, when they wanted to lay all of this cable wire uh, underground in Manhattan, uh, the the city of New York said, sure, we will let you do that. Um, however, if you're going to lay all this wire underground, you have to allocate a certain amount of channels uh, to citizens of New York to do whatever they want with. <laughs> like they can't operate t- Time Warner Cable and it's grandfathered in. Time Warner Cable cannot have uh, uh, you know, cable system unless they allow any lunatic in New York city time on the, ch- on, on, uh, their, their channels. So they, <laughs> so this, the best. it's the best. So this organization, uh, Manhattan neighborhood network, uh, is designated, uh, funds from the government to deal with that and deal with those lunatics. And here's what, here's what you need to, to get a, a public access show. You fill out, um, a couple of pieces of paperwork, uh, prove that you are a Manhattan resident and then you wait, uh, you know, like a couple of months and then you get a letter and they say, okay, here's your time slot and here's when you need to drop the tapes off by. And it's literally that easy. So you, you so there's no, you didn't, there's no going anywhere in this case. You're just making it, you're doing it at, in, in your my bedroom. bedroom. Right. Yeah. In my bedroom. Right. And, and so you're just shooting in your bedroom with whatever yes. camera you've got at home. Yep. Single camera. One camera okay. and, and edited to a, uh, a VHS VCR. Okay. So this is like, what year is this now? 1994. 94. Great year. Great yeah. year. I mean, this is like, I mean, it just seems, it's so familiar to me because my brother and I spent years making like weird videos together. Right. Like, you know, like making little movies and like sketches and doing fake talk shows and stuff. You know, the only difference is like, we didn't go put it on TV in New York, which and you did, which you, is you kind of amazing. I know. I mean, I, it's, it's what I any kid, it's what any kid can do now with, you know, YouTube. Yeah. yeah. Um, you basically, it, you actually uh, were sort of like a... Uh, the vanguard of YouTube. And I really want to apologize for that. I'm yeah. so, so you sorry. You let this, let this for, into our lives. You let yeah. this flood and now we're <laughs> drowning. Thank you. Uh, but so anyhow, so you start doing that, but it like it, people, like people got into it. This is the, this is the interesting thing. Most public access, nobody ever talks about or thinks about, right? This is some weird channel. This is like channel 
What channel was it on the dial? It was, on it was Time channel. Cable? It was channel sixteen. Okay. Well, um, so you're likely to hit that. That's a channel you might happen by. It, well, you were definitely going to hit it because does it, it exist, was, doesn't exist anymore, does it? It does. They, channel. It's been moved to like channel fifty six or something oh, or fifty seven. Okay. There's four public access channels, and they very much exist in New York. And that's where Chris Gethard did his show, and that's where Brett Davis does his show now, which are all really really funny. It's to, it's totally a vibrant thing. Um, but Nobody, you were but likely, nobody's getting paid. It's all for, like they're just doing it. Yeah, you do it. You do it for free. The reason, but but being on Channel 16 in 1994 was good because MTV was at Channel 20, oh. and this was in an era where you still flicked through the dials. Right. Of course. So I was on Sunday nights at 12:30 a.m. Uh, opposite MTV's 120 minutes. Oh, that's uh, a tough tough slot. No. Well, what would happen was a music video would end on 120 minutes, and then people would flick around come across uh, another, like a Devo music video on public access and be like, oh, what's this Devo music video? And then that video would end and this 16, this 14, 15 year old kid would pop up and say, hey, what's up? I'm Jake. And and they'd be like, what the hell am I watching? And, and that's my <laughs> and theory. And they would be, they would just be magnetized to the spot. You know, well, I'm very charismatic. Very, very charismatic. You can tell just by listening. I'm sure people here are just salivating over this. Um, but so who's your first guest? Well, the first, like, because bands would call up. Uh, and it all happened very, very quickly. So, like, I use They Might Be Giants' uh, Minimum Wage from the album Flood as my theme song. And about three or four weeks into doing the show, I got a call from John Flansburg from They Might Be Giants saying, <laughs> I'm watching the show. Uh, and I would, wow. a voice, I would put a voicemail number on the bottom of the screen so people could call and leave messages. Sure. And, like, uh, Thurston Moore uh, called up and, and was like, hey, uh, you said you'd need a haircut. Kim Gordon will give you a haircut. And they happened to live up the street uh and and then it just became you didn't this know thing. but you didn't know them. i didn't know them no you, I, you I weren't mean, like they weren't like family friends or something no not at all so, so no. you have sonic youth is like giving you a haircut now is what's going on like yes. you're 15 years old yeah you know uh, it, i ended up ne- never ended up getting a haircut from kim but i did see her a couple like uh like last week i you know was, I, I started to make friends and and know all of these people and it just sort of it became sort of a cult phenomenon the first band or, or to come and be a guest in my uh, room was the band Ween. Um, <laughs> and they played, and they played, I think I've seen this actually. This sounds very familiar to me. And they played in your bedroom? They, they didn't play. They just came and, oh, and just had a chat. Okay. They just were hanging out. Okay. Um, but, but, uh, but yeah, no, like Ween came and hung out in my bedroom with me. And if you're a 15 year old boy in the 90s, yeah. there's nothing better than having Ween in I mean, your bedroom. They definitely, that definitely is. I mean, you're, this is a real slice from like my past. I have to say, like, this is a really interesting time when you think about it. I mean, we're so, everything is so fucked up now. Like, we can't even imagine this situation but this is so pre-internet for most people like yes yes, the internet kind of existed but not really it's hard to really think about it it actually is like difficult for me to go back and in my mind imagine a world where you couldn't talk to people all the time like you couldn't hypothetically be in a twitter conversation with kanye west like that wasn't a possibility and so the idea the idea that you could one like that you're a kid and you could put a show on any kind of television even if it's like three people see it is insane but second that that like these people, like cool people who do, the, who are like the, doing real things would like start 
calling you up and like be available to you. And that's the, the biggest teenage, the biggest teenage beastie boys fan in the world is all of a sudden now, like the beastie boys know who he is and is <laughs> yeah. friends with them. And it's yeah. like, are you kidding me? Like that was, in, it was insane. That was just like the very lucky part of it. So when um, did the, when did the drug abuse, alcoholism and drug abuse begin for you? Oh, very early was on. Was it to very early? <laughs> yeah, 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 16, yeah. 16. I mean, yeah, did yeah, you go exactly. through, are you sober now? What's your I deal? I am. Are I you, am sober now. Are you actually, are you actually oh, okay, yeah, I was yeah. just kidding around, but is that true? <laughs> I don't do work, no, but I am actually <laughs> you, sober. Do you mind I'm, talking about it? Can you talk about it? I just did Dr. Drew and Bob Forrest podcasts. I'm very comfortable talking about it. Like, yeah. So do, in doing this, you actually ended up like being like one of those kids who was like getting wasted. Which I think, which I think, honestly, TV show or no TV show, a a kid in New York City in the 90s, it was something was bound to happen. This is the kids era that you're talking about. Oh, no, it was totally the kids era. Literally, quite literally, like what year did kids come out? 95? 95. And I here's like kids. Uh, first of all, I lived on Broom and Bowery. So down the street was the store Liquid Sky, yeah. where Chloe worked. Yeah. And then there was the Supreme store on Prince and Lafayette, which is next to where Kim and Thurston's apartment used to yeah. be. Yeah. And I remember going to see kids at the Angelica Film Center the night it came out, walking out of the movie, and the cast of kids was outside just waiting to be seen and recognized. Yeah. Like, yeah. that was the New York City that I grew up in. I mean, that so. was like, and I mean, for around the same time, I mean, I, you know, I was like going to raves and stuff and like mm-hmm. everybody was on drugs. Like everybody was fucked up. Like teenagers at that, in that era, I feel like, I don't know. Is it the same now? I don't really know. Cause I'm not a teenager. I don't, I don't know because I don't really hang around people that do drugs and I, and I right. definitely don't hang around teenagers that do drugs. Yeah. Okay. That's good. That's great. <laughs> Let's just put that out there. Yeah. Jake Fogelness is not spending time with, uh, with teenagers with, on drugs. No, I, I get most of my, uh, info on what the teens are up to through, uh, through Katie Natopoulos. Yeah. Well, that's, what we all do. That is yeah. the, she is our number one source for yeah. what What's going on with the youth in America and around <laughs> the world, actually? Yeah, 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 yeah. Mostly it's like fucked up sex stuff is from what I can tell. It's like really weird sex related activities. Look, I, I'm, I, all I know is the nineties were really, um, an interesting and fun time, but I don't know if anyone was butt chugging cough syrup and I'm glad that that's happening and I'm glad that that's out there. I feel like it's a more responsible way of getting cough syrup into your system when you think about it. You know, you're really bypassing a lot of trouble from if you have to drink it. There's all sorts of things that go wrong. I've just realized, like, it sounds like I'm bringing that up completely out of context. Yes, yes. So some people are just thinking, no, no, like, no. I had Katie really? on recently. And we talked. We talked for quite a bit about the butt chugging girls, yeah. and and in fact, like, I now and then I started interacting with them on Twitter. This is what I'm talking about. This the thing that right. I just said, like, and now I'm like talking to them on Twitter. Like, this is like so not in any way possible in 1994, 1995. No, I had a post office box. So you, you know? had like, but what's interesting is like you had like an early like very social public experience, which most people don't have. And, you know, it's good to know that it drove you to drugs and drinking. That's, you know, good. As I think it would think about. Yeah. Anyone. And then I, and then obviously I got, here's where I got very lucky is that I got that out of my system very early. And then, uh, you know, I got healthy, uh, but also that right as I was, you know, coming out of like, you know, oh, am I washed up at, at 18, 19 years old? <laughs> that's when yeah. the uprights, that's when the upright citizens brigade came to New York city, uh, for the first time. And, um, I was so lucky because then I found 
oh my God, these, these are people my age that also want to do comedy stuff. And like, I, I had no, like I had done this TV show and, and it was cute and everything, but I had no idea like how to apply my craft and right. like all, right. you know, the skills and that. You weren't like trying these, to be a professional comedian or something when you were yeah, doing the show. You were like, no. I want to have a show. And then you just in, did it. In fact, the only reason why I was on the show uh, it was because there was no one else for me to do it with. Yeah. It was, you know, born out of, out of loneliness. I was dying to, you know, meet, like, I didn't, I never had the thing of like, I want to be on Saturday night live. My thing was like, I want to, I want Lauren's job, you yeah. know, that, that was sort of always my drive, which, um, <laughs> when I got to UCB, um, that's where I was able to, you know, first of all, meet all of the friends that I still have today. And then also, learn how that gets done and, and learn about comedy. Right. Okay, this is a good spot. I'm going to take a quick break because I want to pick up on this. This is very interesting to me, this turning point in your career. This okay, is cool. very serious, like some NPR shit that just happened. Yeah. Right. You know, uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right, right, right back with more. Like I said at the top of the show, this episode of Tomorrow is supported by Wonder Capital. Wonder Capital is the leading online investment platform that allows individuals to invest in large-scale solar projects across the U.S. So what is it? How does it work? The solar market has seen huge growth over the last five years, like 1,600%, with the majority of that growth happening in residential and utility systems. However, big commercial solar projects such as solar PV panels on top of a Colorado charter school a California country club, or a New Jersey warehouse are being ignored because there's no turnkey financing solution. So that's where Wonder comes in. Wonder Capital works with solar industry professionals to offer simple financing packages for commercial solar PV systems. Wonder uses sophisticated underwriting algorithms and expert solar specialists to identify and finance strong solar projects. Investors in Wonder Solar Funds can achieve returns of up to 11% annually, like I said, and there's no fees. Wonder Capital doesn't take any fees for managing your money. It's simple to diversify your portfolio. Investing in Wonder Capital can offset your exposure to bond, stock, and commodity market fluctuations. No energy market experience is required. The funds are all managed by solar specialists, and you can help the environment. An investment in Wonder Capital significantly reduces carbon energy pollution, aiding in the fight against climate change. Thousands of users have already taken advantage of Wonder's platform, and you can too. Just go to Wonder's website and create an account for free. Go to wondercapital.com slash tomorrow and get started. Invest in Wonder Capital Solar Funds. Do well and do good. We're back with Jake Fogelness. Jake, are you still there? I am here. Thank God. Uh, so we were just talking about you um, doing the show in your in your bedroom and then uh, becoming uh, becoming a heavy drinker. And then how many years did you do the show for? Um, the show whole thing was about two years. You know, it was like 94 to 96. Right. And then at some point it was on MTV. Yes. It got picked up by MTV in 1996. So and then, then you did like a, you did a, how many, what, like, an, a, like a season? Six, six episodes, a season okay. on, on MTV. And it was still shot out of my bedroom. That was very important to me. But they had to, lights. They brought lights and stuff. Oh yeah. Well, look, if you can never have MTV art direct your teenage bedroom, have them do it. That's you know? amazing. And yeah. so, and then, so then, but at some point when you said when you were around 19, you yeah. sort of like got into um, UCB and, yes. and, and so tell me about that experience. Like I actually, 
I'm like a person who has always thought like improv and stand up is like something that I would enjoy doing. I feel like I could potentially be good at it. And then I just think like, it feels like it would be, a, it's a brutal experience and maybe I'm not like, I don't know if I'm not built for the brutal experience or like I'm too lazy or I don't know what it is, but it isn't like being in comedy in that form of performance, like soul crushing in some way. Um, well, I would, I, I can't speak to the stand up experience because I, 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 I don't do stand up. Right. Um, to me, stand up seems very, very, uh, terrifying. Now, can I get up on a stage and tell a story and like, you know, you know, have, have it go. Okay. Yeah, I can do that. I can do that in New York and Los Angeles. But to me, a stand up comedian is then going to go do it at like a, a Zanies somewhere. And <laughs> right. I, they're not going to be interested like in any Milwaukee. of my, yeah, Milwaukee. They're not going to be interested in anything I have to say. And quite frankly, I'm not interested in talking to them. So, 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 so tell know, me about the UCB experience, the UCB, well, just Im- improv and sketch. Like I, uh, I, yeah, it's all brutal. It's all brutal. But like, like, um, to me, it, improv was just like, oh, this is stuff that I know. And this is just a common math and language to it that I needed to have so I could apply it with other people. That's what I learned um, at UCB is like the sort of the mechanics of what makes good sketch comedy work. And I, you know, I was on Harold, I was on improv teams and all that stuff. And, and I, I figured out pretty quickly that, um, I didn't care about being on stage. Right. I was not interested in, in, in being a performer. I cared a great deal about writing and directing comedy. Right. That was what was fun to me. So you I preferred, gravit- you preferred yeah. being behind the, the, the scenes. I just didn't, I don't need to be on stage that much. You know, I, I, I not playing, a, I had no joy in playing characters. Uh, I didn't want to be an actor. I wanted to be, uh, I, I don't mind being myself if I, I'm playing myself or I'm being a personality. I love doing like monologues at ASCAT where I tell a story and then they improvise around it. That I'll do that forever. But the idea of like uh, playing a character and being in a scene, I was more interested in in uh, crafting uh, crafting the material and, and writing writing and directing sketch. That yeah, was what I, was exciting to and me. I, I kind of get that. I think um, I remember I went to um, – C. Conan. And who was his uh, director? What was his name? Uh, I don't think he went with him to uh, to L.A. At any rate, I remember no. watching the show and it was like it, it, during a commercial break and he was like, pulled Conan aside. And, and I was like, that's the guy I want to be. Like, well, that was probably in, Mike, Sweeney, Mike Sweeney, the head writer or, or you know. It might have uh, been. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm not sure who it was. It's like it seemed mm-hmm. like whoever it was, they were kind of in charge. Yeah. And they were like, like kind of pulling all the strings, like not to say Conan wasn't an amazing performer. But I just remember thinking like, yeah, that guy's job seems really fucking interesting. There's nothing more fun to me than working with um, talent and helping them to look good. You know, and yeah. and 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 crafting a thing, and so that be, sort of became my role at UCB as I directed sort of everybody's sketch shows and everybody's first one-person shows, and and really just like you know brought it all together and, right. and help people write and, and nothing made me happier than that. And, and, you know, that's a, what, what I have now learned as a grown up is that job is a showrunner in <laughs> right. television. Right. So which is, I, a, which is now, which was not always seen as like this very important thing, but in the last, what, 10, 15 years has become maybe a little bit longer has become like 
a very, very important, very talked about role in television. You know, I think television has changed. It's very interesting you say that, and I think you're absolutely right. Like, uh, like who's the showrunner? Who was the showrunner of... Uh uh, of, of like what's happening. You don't yeah, know. No, you know I, don't what I, mean? know. I was thinking of uh, like all in the family or something. Like, yeah, I have well, no that, idea. That, that's uh, Norman Lear. Oh, you know. Oh, right. Norman yeah. Lear. Okay, shit. Well, that was you a know, bad like, no, But like other than like somebody who had 900 TV shows, you yeah. don't, you know what I mean? You don't hear, but we sure know who Vince Gilligan is. Right. You know, right. And, and, you know, we, you know, you would ever once in a while, you'd know some like Gary David Goldberg or, you know, did family ties and stuff. But like for, for the most part, um, you know, and I think we have so much more television now, and I think we're in a new era of social media, and then people sort of have learned that, like, television is controlled by the writers in a way that film is, is you know, everything ends with the director, but right. in television, it's it's uh, it ends with the writers. It's right, a because, writer's medium. Because they're sort yeah. of the keepers of, like, whatever that thing is. I mean, the director has come in and out. I mean, it's not that they're not important in television. Hugely important, but, but it's a different job. But it's, it's a, a different Because yeah. there's a thing that exists that has to keep existing outside of any, almost anybody else's involvement. Like you literally could have a care, you know, characters die and you're replacing mm-hmm. them or whatever, but there has to be like that kind of, um, whatever the, the soul of the show is. And that's what the writers create, you know, exactly. for so better that, or worse. So that was, you know, and then, and, and that's sort of where, you know, what I'm, I'm, I'm doing now and like what, there's no greater training ground, I think for that than sketch comedy in, right. in, in a way and, and working with a large group of people and making sure everybody's needs are met, uh, you know, because it's, you're dealing with a lot of personalities and you're dealing with a lot of different material and, and, you know, that was college for me. Right. Uh, I think I, I think it's really interesting. I mean, you know, you started uh, clearly you had this idea that you wanted to be like a talk show host, which is <laughs> very much. I mean, like when you're 14, you're not making life decisions, probably. But like you clearly had an impulse that you wanted to be in front of the camera. You wanted to be like the ringleader. You know, honestly, I, I it was more I wanted to be the ringleader. I wanted to run a show. I didn't have any friends. I wonder if that would have been. <laughs> Do different. you think if you had like a good friend, you would have put him on instead of you having? Know, I, you know, yourself I, you know, in the chair? Well, I think I put myself in the chair because there was no one else. And then I sort of liked how it felt in the chair, you right, know, because right. you, you're, you're 15, 16. And, and, and I like, you know, like I like how it feels in the chair still, you know, uh, you, you know, I, I, I think it's, I would never do stand up the way that Judd Apatow does stand up. I, I just am not uh, built that way. He, he's a stand up comic, but boy, it's, it's sure is nice to see my f- friend, Adam McKay out there, you know, promoting the big short um it's like he's nominated for an oscar and and like this is somebody i know from use it's crazy but it's like to go see him kill on a talk show because he's got the improv background is is like i i I, that's fun you know that's fun like i i'd have no i'd be fun to go on a talk show and stuff but like i don't need my own talk show but it'd be fun to be a guest on on one and it's and sometimes they do have showrunners that will do that yeah i mean it's i just it's just an interesting progression i mean i actually think like i i totally get it i mean and i think it's like to to have realized at what 19 like oh this is a there's a whole different way of working this there's a whole different way of like running the show like literally running the show but also figuratively right um i mean that was that like for you i mean i'm not to say it was like an emotional thing but was it was it tough to did you have any feelings of like oh but i you know was going to be this guy i you know i had like you know whoever calling you and like being on the show and it was like there was a clearly a moment there where 
you know, I'm not trying to get you to cry or anything, but I'm just saying like, did it, did you have any pain over the idea that like you realize you had this realization that you wanted to do something that was very different? I mean, it's a very different like piece of the puzzle. I don't think so because I knew that whatever I would do was going to have me in it. It's very, you know, I, right, I, I, th- right. I think that like, I really sort of like looked at like, what like everybody knows who Lauren Michaels is, you know? (laughs) And, and, and he has to me also, he's one of those guys who's made a point of being in the, in the mix, like very, very visibly. Like, I mean, I actually think that's really, he's quite unique in that regard. And maybe that is like a more modern take on that role. Uh, because like now you, like you said, Vince Gilligan, you know, but it, you know, Lauren Michaels was a guy who was in sketches all the time, you know, and he had, he had had a performing background too. And I, I, to me, it was just sort of like, oh yeah, I have this performing background, but like how much, what do I really get to make here? Like, you know, what, like, do I really get to make anything or do I just get to be like famous, you know? And I did, and and it's, and I'm uncomfortable. Like I'm truly, I'm, I'm totally comfortable having conversations like this. I'm very uncomfortable. Uh, this conversation is making you uncomfortable. No, no, no. This is, this is great. Like I love, and I just love radio too. You know what I mean? Like, and it like talking to microphones, I'm very, very comfortable with. As soon as you put a camera on me, I don't like it for some reason. Yeah. So, uh, and and the cameras only get bigger and bigger because every once in a while I'll get like, uh, you know, an email or a phone call like, Hey, do you want to do this little part in this show? And and I'm always sort of like, I don't think I want to do that. Yeah. Um, and you know, it just, it, it is like extremely stressful. I mean, it is very stressful. I, I was a person who's had a, a camera on him a few times. It's like, not like, uh, undoubtedly not like you and uh, many people that you know, but it is like a kind of insane thing. If you have to be funny, you know, if people are expecting something from you, cause there is like a huge expectation. It's I need not, a minute to figure it out. Yeah. I need a minute to figure it out, like, which is why I'm very comfortable as a, as a writer yeah. It's like, there, there are people, there are a couple people that I know that are just immediately funny, you know? Right, and right. I don't, I'm not immediately funny. I, I am, give me 30 seconds and I'll figure it out. Right. But you know, and I, and I'm, you know, I'm comfortable enough in an, in a conversation. I can be funny, but at the same time, it's like, I, if you give me 30 seconds, it'll be better. And so right. that's why like improv was, you know, for me, it was, it was tough. You know, it was tough. I totally, it was, no, I totally get that. I mean, I can, that makes total sense to me. Uh, you mentioned radio and that mm-hmm. you love radio and I want to address, um, you know, let's be honest, the elephant in the room. Uh, you were a serious XM yes. host for many years. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, now, I knew you predominantly from uh, XMU, which is their sure. college. Yeah. For lack of a better term, it doesn't make any sense. The indie rock channel. But is there, yeah, they're indie rock channel. And yeah. um, now, th- there was always a strange experience that I would have, every, you know, every once in a while, I'd be flipping through the channels and I would uh, land on Alt Nation, which uh-huh. was like, uh, yeah. how, what's the best way to describe Alt it's Nation? Alter- it was alternative rock garbage. It was like it was way like, less it was like, cool. It was like, K, it was like K, K rock or something. It was like alt rock. Like, yeah. yeah, I mean, like, what was a, What's a popular artist on uh, Alt Nation? Like, maybe Fallout Boy would Fallout Boy be played on Alt Nation? Maybe I don't know. I wasn't paying attention. Well, at like, any rate, you, you but you yeah. were you were on Alt Nation sometimes. Sure. Yeah. You had a yeah. different Alt Nation gig. 
I did, yeah, I was still myself. But you were yeah, you. No. no, you were you. You were playing yeah, a character. I wasn't you were playing like, like a guy who's less. Cool I wasn't or like you know, you know, like uh, hey, it's Chompers on Alt Nation, <laughs> yeah. and then Jake like a guy who's like really I, into puddle of mud. That was yeah, not the, that was not talks, what was happening. But yeah. it did feel like a betrayal to me, and I was like, I did question. I remember questioning. Oh, like, cool. All is right. this guy really? I oh, thought me, he was cool. I thought the, he was into music that I liked, and then I'm yeah. on. Here I am on Alt Nation. He's playing puddle of mud. Yeah, let me clear. I'll clear. I'll clear it all up. Actually, sorry. Puddle of mud is on. Would be on lithium. I think sure. which is, yeah, 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 which yeah, is yeah. a serious station that is like basically plays tool. I think. It's yeah, the, exactly. I think that's it. It's yeah. just, it's the tool, <laughs> tool channel. And, tool and puddle of mud. Yeah. But anyhow, uh, tell I'll, me how this, tell me what was going on back there. In the, in uh, the, it's the, behind it's the, the scenes. sure. Behind the scenes. Um, um, it is apparently. Have you made hold on before you say this? Uh huh. Has anybody called you on this before? This is the first time somebody's addressing I, I this. Would, I would call myself out on it all the time. <laughs> okay. Most people don't know that I was on the radio. Oh, really? Know? I think most people probably know you from the radio. I think a lot of people do. It's really a lot of serious subscribers, man. I know. No, like I know. I got. Millions. I know. Um, so let me just. I'll, I'll clear it all up for you. Uh, the truth of the matter is, is that um, Sirius XMU and. Alt Nation. I didn't listen to any of that garbage. I, I wasn't listening to any of it. <laughs> I didn't pick it. I didn't pick any of the music. No, come you, on. You go in there. You were very, but you were very uh, wrapped up. You know, XMU. You'd be talking to people. You'd be talking yeah, about records. Can, it was all I, so I know, from the I heart. Know. I know about music and I can have a conversation with people like apparently um, di people, uh, most disc jockeys are garbage. Yeah, like they're bad yes. at the job and, and they have this, this, uh, this perception that what they do matters um, or, or they think they're going to get famous from being a DJ. Uh, and that's very important to them. And I sort of always treated it as, Oh, you mean you'll pay me X amount of dollars and all I got to do is say, coming up next, it's the Arcade Fire. And then I get to go home and work on scripts and stuff. Great. Ter terrific. Great job. <laughs> I worked an hour a day. Wow. I, I would hear maybe the first seven seconds or the or the last seven seconds of every song. As the veil I would, is being really pulled back here. I would Google around and go, oh, well, that person's got a new album coming and then it's just like, okay, great. The uh, the new uh, uh, Tan Lines album, yeah. uh, you know, comes out <laughs> on That's April amazing. 15th. That's amazing. I mean, honestly, I'm shocked. I'm yeah. dismayed. I spent years listening here's to the your here, voice, your soothing here's voice. The thing. Uh, here's what I'll say about it, though. With Sirius XMU, that is great music. They play great music. So yeah. a lot of it was actually music that I cared right, about. Right. So that was very effortless. Um, and oftentimes the artists were people that I was either friends with or, you know what I mean? Like I have good musical taste, sure, uh, you know, sure. um, but I just never took it as, um, oh, if they hear me, if someone hears me <laughs> introducing, you know, some sort of, I don't know, Muse song yeah, on Muse, Alt Nation, exactly. that that's, that's me endorsing Muse. Cause I right. would, and I would say like on Twitter, like this band sucks and they would <laughs> I'd get in trouble for it I'd be like well then fire me you know what I mean I don't want to so, be here anyway <laughs> so 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 has so uh, am I the only person who's raised this concern to you is has brought this I mean I'm just curious because it sounds like you have thought about you but you've been you're ready for this question I guess so yeah I, I you know the thing that here's what bothered me the most about being on the radio uh, honestly is that people would think that I was there live and that I was um there for like 12 hours a 
day and happy and fulfilled introducing songs on the radio. And then they wouldn't hire me for other things because really? they would think I was there. And I'd be like, They're no, like, well, you got this radio gig. You don't yeah, have you've time. Got this radio gig. You know, so, so, um, like we'd love you to come and write for this, but you know, you're with your radio thing. You're not going to be able to, that used to drive me crazy. Oh, I'd like, fucking lose it. That sounds I, insane. You're doing where, one hour a day. I was there sometimes 30 minutes, you know, <laughs> and, and, but here's the thing. It's, it was such a good job. And Oh God, the people I worked with were the nicest people. Like I, that was the other thing is I really, I, you know, we'll say about Sirius XMU is that it is expertly programmed, uh, by Robert Cross there. Who's a re, who's a brilliant radio programmer and a guy who gets it and knows what's cool and knows what's funny and knows what great music is out there and is passionate about it. And then Jenny Ellescu is like a, you know, a Jenny's good friend great. of mine. She's Love amazing. Jenny. It's like, these are, gr- they were great, great people. And if is I Jenny's ever, still on? I, yeah, Je- I just Jenny literally like two days ago resubscribed to Sirius because I'd let it lapse. Yeah. So I haven't listened to a lot of XMU lately. Jenny is still on and, and Julia Cunningham. Oh, and Julia's Jenny's on great. another Jenny is on another channel called uh, The Spectrum where she plays like Dave Matthews Band. Oh, man, really? You Don't, know what you I mean? You not have told me that. <laughs> it's like, now it's ruined. It's ruined for me. Who another, but like, who cares? Another you know what DJ's I mean? ruined for me. Thanks. Jenny, Je- you know, but here's the thing about like when they hired me. Um, I said, I don't care about new music. I don't have any connect. I like what I like and I don't like what I don't like. Like, uh, and they're like, yeah, but you care. And I'm like, I really don't. I, you know what I mean? I'm listening. I just, I get more excited if they like reissue some old, you know, sure. record that I've never heard for that. So some weird post-punk record. That's my favorite thing in the world is this like, oh, they're putting out the full Suburban Lawns album that went out of print. Then I am about, uh, you know, oh, there's, a, I can't even come up with a reference for it. Sure. Um, so I've always just been someone who's had. I love um, this. This is imp- great. Important. Uh, I'm an important cultural tastemaker of things that I like, you know, <laughs> and I don't begrudge anybody that likes something else. So it was just like, you know, but like, oh, my God, all that alt nation music. It's like and some of these bands start to show up on uh, on Saturday Night Live. And it's like, oh, my God, I am relieved that I can, you know, sort of finally be like. Oh, I hate that shit. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You're able to speak your mind now and let people know where you're really coming from. Yeah. And, and you don't and, care about any of it. Especially coming from. And that it's as, all been a lie. Our relationship with you, our <laughs> multi year relationship would, with you and your would, personality has all been a lie. But I would tell but people. But did you have to interview? You'd go to like, you'd go to like uh, South by Southwest and you'd be oh, interviewing I hated people. It. I finally just started saying no. I won't do <laughs> but it. But you definitely did that. I mean, oh, I've got yeah. you like, have oh. lengthy interviews with bands oh, over like it's, several segments. Oh, it's a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> you know, with the you bands. Would you have to like, uh, you had a cheat sheet. You had to like figure out who they were really quickly. Yeah, who the fuck is this person? But then then there were some great bands that I. I talk to and like, you know what I mean? Like, but, but yeah, you have to, part of that job is making an artist feel comfortable and they're there to promote their thing. And I think that oftentimes the bands were off, were were relieved to talk to me because I would just be like, what's your plug? Let's get that out of the way. You're here to promote an album. And then I just have a conversation, you know? And I, and I think that's what we loved about you, Jake, your realness, but now it's all been blown. But that was, I was like, okay, um, Um, I I will get the, I will do my job. And then as soon as the job is done, I, I, you know, like, which is you're here to promote a thing. Now we can just kind of talk like human beings and, and, and I'm not going to do bad DJ shtick to you. Right. Well, DJs are terrible. I mean, they're awful. Yeah. So, so terrible. Well, this is, I would have guilt by association. (laughs) It's to change everything for me. All the, my, you know, several years of my life are now 
I have to look at them totally do you, differently. Do you think less of me? Or I do think you th- way less of you. I'm very disappointed. <laughs> no, I don't care at all. I yeah, actually, I, I actually, care. it sort of confirms what I always believe because you, you did kind of often sound like you were, um, full of shit. Like you did yeah. definitely like parts I where I was like, shit. he's just going out of his way to talk about this. It's like, does he really care? No, really not care one shit about this. I, I, and so I I'm not, I, I'm not totally surprised, I guess. Yeah, to no, this. I couldn't care less. And, 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 and I, I, I there is something subversive to, to me. I do take some bit of joy in saying to people like, Oh yeah, I didn't care about that. Like, yeah, yeah. and I think it's because I've, I, I'm finally in a place where I've achieved exactly where I want to be in my career. Like, I'm always surprised when more people don't just admit like, oh yeah, I did that for money. You know? Yeah. 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 No, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I totally get it. I, this is like, it just confirmed. I think it kind of confirmed. Like, that's the thing about the old nation thing. I was, I thought it was so strange that when the first time I heard you on there, I was like, but wait a second, he's like the XMU guy, which is way cooler than this. Oh yeah. Yeah. Not yeah. surprising. That's why now anyhow. Okay. So that's in the past. Let's talk about the semi present or, or near sure. present. We're going through your whole, your whole career here. And then I want to hear your predictions for the future about what your career will be like. In the okay. So then you've been doing, you've been doing a lot of stuff, like a lot of writing, a lot of, I mean, I don't know the extent of, but wet hot American summer, the, yes. which is like a Netflix thing that they re basically took a movie and turned it into how many parts, 10 part, 12 part. We did, uh, eight, eight, eight eight, an eight episode prequel yeah. to the movie. Right. Uh, Which is an amazing concept because everybody's way older now. It yeah. was in the movie. The movie was from like 2005 or 2004 or something, Two, right? It came out in, t- I think, 2001. Oh, that long actually. ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh it was like God. a full 15, yeah, 16 so people years are like, ago. People are like fucking ancient in the in the prequel. Well, the joke in the original movie, it was all these people in their, you know, uh, mid-20s to 30s right. playing teenagers. Like 16, and it, yeah. it was ridiculous. And so now it's 15, 16 years later, and they're playing teenagers that are even younger. <laughs> right, right. They're three months younger than they were. And we just sort of just said yeah that's how it's gonna be so you so you wrote on that yeah yeah and then uh difficult people which is uh the uh billy eichner julie klausner yep who else is involved it's billy eichner mainly them julie klausner they play they play bad they play bad mean awful people that's a documentary about uh (laughs) new york city uh and julie julie klausner and billy eichner play billy epstein and julie kessler yeah very very thinly veiled i think it's a um it's basically a a a a a revenge fantasy if you you know but it's it's like a show about people everybody knows i mean at least i think maybe to your point about it being about new york like you know everybody's always like this fucking guy's the worst i hate that guy like nobody's like really nice and sweet and sincere yeah, it's about what that sh- difficult people to me is a show about like when you're at a party and everyone is terrible and you look across the room at your friend and y- you just through eye contact, you're like, this is a nightmare, right? And they've <laughs> got your back and you've got that one person, you're constant in your life in New York City that you can turn to and be like, I'm not crazy, am I? And <laughs> right. usually those two people are the worst people in the world. I think, yeah, well, I mean, or the best people. I think yeah. that's, I think you just explained my marriage. I think <laughs> that's like the core of my yeah. marriage is based on, us being in situations where we're like these everything is terrible like 
you know, the world is a vampire is a phrase we use often. <laughs> As yeah, much it's, as it's, the, possible. it's the two people against who are against the world. You yeah, know? just like thank uh, God for this person. It's a show about friendship. And, and that stuff. show is and, that doing a second season or no? Yeah, we they're, just um, they're filming the second season right now. Um, I I went back this second season as a consulting producer because I'm working on a bunch of other stuff and and they're filming right now. Billy uh, just on Monday was sitting in his trailer. Uh, with his assistant and, um, you know, it's just wait in between shots waiting to, to film and a boar's head deli truck crashed into his trailer, uh, oh my God. threw him across the, uh, the thing and, oh my God. Is he okay? uh, and yeah, he walked out and uh, shot for the rest of the day. He was fine. He got as was, much free meat as he wanted. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, so I, I, you know, are there anti-Semitic implications of a boar's head deli truck hitting, uh, uh Billy Eichner as he's trying to film his well, own television series? I don't know. Or Semitic. Are, I mean, there's a bunch of pastrami in there. Like, I, I don't know. I think uh, there's, but, probably um, more, there's probably more fucking, in, in, was it in New York? It was in New York. Probably yeah. more pastrami in that than any other type of meat. You're you right. It, it was probably mostly pastrami. I feel better about it. <laughs> Turkey but pastrami, yeah, no. all sorts of pastrami. Anyhow. They're, yeah, wow, but so that's, a shock, that's a shocking. I didn't hear crazy. anything about this. Well, yeah, it's a know, check I out send his my, Instagram. Of course, send my best to Billy. He's, he's doing fine. speedy he's recovery. Doing fine. And, um, and if he can't yeah, eat all the pastrami, of course, I'm happy to take some. <laughs> there's 10 more episodes that are uh, being filmed right now, and it'll be on Hulu later this year. Admittedly, I've not watched all of it. I watched a few episodes, and I thought it was very funny. And and I was sort of like, it's hard for me to warm up to anything, you know, any new show, because you've got to, like, get in. There's too many shows. There's too many. There's so many fucking shows. There's so many shows that's out of control. And, like, they now they're, like, do rebooting shows. Yep. You know, I'm, like, for years, Laura and I have been talking about, like, oh, we've got to watch all of the X-Files, right? And then there's like yeah. new X-Files and everybody's yeah. like talking about the new X-Files and it's like- More to can, get caught up on How now. can anybody live, who, who can live like this? I you don't gotta know. Fi- you gotta find your shows and you watch your yeah, shows. Yeah, exactly. You know? So, okay, and so wait, so you did Billy on the, you wrote for Billy on the Street as well? Yep. So we explain were. this to me. It, what is the writing process like for that show? Because it seems like- It's a lot, actually. It seems like he's just running around bothering people. Um, But we write. He is definitely doing that. Oh, and he's definitely doing (laughs) that. Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, so much of that show is writing that gets thrown out. We write every question, every um, game. You've got to do some research. You've got to. You, yeah, I mean, I mean some, and some, it's, I it's it's interesting. It's an interesting show to write because we write it and then he goes out and films it for a long time. So we want to be topical, but you can't be too topical. Um, so we're, you know, we're sort of looking ahead as like, well, what is coming out, right, you know, in right. December or whatever. Right. And and then, you know, but yeah, we're it's every prize, every punishment. He's not still doing the show, is he? We're, he's gonna, yeah. There's a a fifth season oh of God. Billy on the Street, which we, which we'll get into right after uh, Difficult People finishes filming. What about? I mean, what a he's like blown up. I mean, I he's oh, like a, everything. Yeah. I just saw this movie Sleeping with Other People. Yeah, Leslie Headland. Yeah, and he's yeah. got a fucking the hilarious. The hilarious steals the movie. No, totally. I mean, I yeah. was like dying in laughter watching his scene. I was like, please tell me this character. There's gonna be more of this character. There isn't, unfortunately. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the one scene. It's, but he's, it's, so, he's great in it. Yeah. Fucking incredible. You know, I have to say one thing about watching that. I mean, have you ever done Man on the Street stuff yourself? I d- a, li- a little bit. It makes me like I could never do it. It is. Billy talk does. about. I mean, I've done I've done a little bit like for, for web stuff, you know, for sure. stuff we've done. And it's like the most terrifying, weird, uncomfortable, invasive. Like, like you know, we have a contract 
we're all like, especially in a place like New York, the contract is like, do not fucking talk to me. Don't Basically, bother it's like, me. Don't yeah. bother me. Don't talk to me. I don't want it. Like, you know, it's like you're begging for something. You need directions. Like, I'm not interested. Like, just stay out of my, just stay out of my way. Stay out of my field of vision, if at all possible. <laughs> right? And like, and like the, that show, like he's like really accosting people. I mean, not accosting them in, a, in like a bad way. It's like he makes it very fun and playful and enjoyable. But It's still, not like, mean. It's it, not mean, And but but somebody could be startled. Yes, you know? and it requires, like, I remember, I did a thing with a guy who was like a weird, you know, like a line sitter guy who, like, I was talking to him and the conversation started to escalate and he got kind of like weird and sort of threatening. And I was like, you feel like, okay, you've got a microphone and a camera and like nothing bad can really happen. But like walking up to people on the street and I'm just saying like what he does, it's so like high energy and so intense. And so like, it just takes a crazy amount of guts to do that. I really think it's like, every time I see that show, I'm like, this guy is like, has some like supernatural ability to not give a shit. He's fearless and he's specific, you know? And, (laughs) and, the specificity uh, of Billy on the street is, and I think it's true on difficult people too. Like the specifics are funny to me. Very, very, you know, yeah. specific things. Uh, he's very, very specific. Yeah. Ah, he's so great. Anyhow, but let's get back to you. Okay. You're also great. So now Thank look, you. I know you're working on stuff. You can't talk about it yet because there's new things happen in your world and it's top secret. Uh, but what is, now we said we were going to, I want to talk about your future. Yes. What is the now? You've gone from a young man, a young boy in Manhattan, hosting his own talk show in his bedroom, uh, through the uh, intense trials and tribulations of a of a horrible drug and alcohol addiction. I have no idea. No idea. I think we yeah. made this like a really important. It might be, pro, it might like be one that like, where you were like I had hungover. like two. I might have had two beers and yeah. been like, oh, I'm off the rails. <laughs> You're like, you I got to get into rehab ASAP. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm just, and I'm just uh, a hypochondriac for self care. So, you know, you were, you're a recovering, uh, <laughs> recovering addict, uh, trying to make their way in the world. Uh, uh, you find, you know, success through uh, UCB and writing yeah. and producing and, and you've been, you know, talking head and all sorts of, you know, you've been oh, yeah, all over yeah. the place. Yeah. What is the future like? What does it look like for Jake Fogelnest? I'm very excited because. I am well. I'm. I am going to go work on a, a new uh, show that I, I can't talk about yet. But, but it's going to be really exciting. It's going to be great. It's really. It's really uh, exciting. And I. I just want to. I'm very lucky. I get to sort of work on TV shows with my friends. And to me, the whole point is to just keep making stuff with your friends. And uh, you know. I, so I'm. For the first, I've wanted to be you know, 37 years old since I was seven years old. So I'm finally like really comfortable in my skin. <laughs> and so, like, that's such it, a, what a goal, you know, it's I, like a pretty yeah. easy goal. All you have to do is not die. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm not <laughs> so. dying. And so first on the agenda is I'm not going to die. And good. like, I think I just going to, I want to keep, you know, making shows and, and telling stories. And I'm very, very grateful that, you know, I get to, I, I get to write things and they get made and people will read things that I've written and, and I, I get to collaborate with all these people. So I'm just going to do more. That's more of that. And are you are you in L.A. Uh, yeah. permanently now? I come back to New York when I have to be in New York. But like L.A. is is my it's my the best. Residence. It's the best, isn't it? I'm so happy here. I just moved into uh, a, a new place and and and, uh, you know, I'm the sun really, is shining I, every day. It's nice every day. And all of my friends are here. You know, I have very, you know, I have new friends in New York, but most of the people that I, you know, grew up with and, and, and came up in comedy with have moved here. 
And yeah. uh, there's only a few left in, in New York. And of the few that are in New York, um, I'm either working with them, like Julie Klausner, or the, or they're working on other stuff. And, you know, it's I'm, I'm in this weird... It seems like every good friend of mine has their TV show now. Um, and that is <laughs> That's the, unbelievable. Most people don't have that in their no, life. Most people no, can't say that. No, and it's and it's like of uh, this 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 group like UCB today. I can't speak to what that's like. It's a it's a massive organization. But when it first started, it was just about like I don't know, maybe a hundred, hundred and fifty of us. You know, there wasn't that many um, people that had this very specific need to learn this you know craft. And uh, I, by the way, I, I don't really refer to it as a craft. Mm-hmm. Like I, no, I, you're I, you in know, a satirist. I understand. Yeah, you know, yeah, you yeah, refer yeah, yeah. to your work as a craft. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally fully in line with but, uh, Wikipedia. <laughs> And entry. <laughs> Please respect me. I, um, <laughs> but like, you know, like, uh, the, you know, it was a small group of people and so many and everybody gets to do this for a living. Like I was at a friend's birthday party recently and I looked around. And I was like, oh, my God, these are people I know for, you know, 15 years and we all do this now yeah. for a living. Yeah, and it's that's incredible. You know, no, it's it's and it's like the other thing is that what you're making is it's filling the world with joy, except for what you did with Alt Nation. Yeah, no, that was just people. me. I was doing garbage for money. But everything um, else has been nothing but And that's, uh, I joyful. will say the Alt Nation thing, that's not my fault. That's the fault of these terrible, terrible bands with awful instincts uh, yeah, in music that they're making. I mean, good God, yeah. take a look at yourselves. No wonder the like, music industry is in shambles. Like, how do they, how does anybody think what they're doing on that? Like, and by the way, the guy who runs the channel is the nicest guy in the world. I'm talking about the bands. Yeah. yeah, Like, how could you think, like, just, could you be, could you offend my uh, aesthetics more? (laughs) Haven't you you ever listened to music sometimes and you're like, I can tell this was a lot more fun to play than it is to listen to. I think I hear a lot of bands and I'm like, you, I know you had a great time making this, but I'm not having a great time hearing it. Who the fuck's listening to that? What garbage? I mean, I try not to surround myself with anyone that doesn't. Is like the most popular rock band in the world right now. And look, have you heard you, them? Have you heard I've, them? I know, I know what it is. I probably met those guys, and they're all probably they're great. great. They're great guys. They're great guys. You know what I mean? And it is true. The nicer you are, uh, the worse your band is. You know, <laughs> it's just true every time. Yeah, Dave Matthews, very sweet dude. I'm sure he's the sweetest. <laughs> you know, I could no, not. I, I, there's worse than Dave. But Dave Matthews is like you know, a couple, of, couple of okay songs. That guy, I mean, the, I'm, not, I'm not saying I would buy a Dave Matthews album. But yeah, but he's such an more easy. Pun- he's an easy punchline. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like. Yeah. Yeah, What's this true. band? I saw them on Saturday Night Live the other the, the nineteen seventy-five. Oh, no, oh my god, they're terrible. I, they are I, fucking terrible. I, it was like one bad choice after the next. Oh yeah, I, it, it's like an LA band, right? It's got to be a band from LA. I'll say to that guy is you need to earn your leather pants, and you have not earned them. I don't think like, th- I think there shouldn't be no leather pants. I think you, there are some people who can wear it like back. You can wear all the leather pants you want. Yeah, your back Beck just can weird, wear leather pants, weird and I know genius maniac. You know, like uh, Jen Kirkman's a stand-up comedian. She can wear leather pants. Okay, you have sure, to earn. You sure. have to earn your leather pants. I just think it's you got. There's a high bar when it comes to this. Is why yeah. I got rid of all my leather. You know, it's just I couldn't pull it off. Uh, I can't pull off leather pants. I can pull off tight pants. Yeah. You know, but not. I I would never dream of. Uh, I hope to one day be able to. <laughs> well, you but I it. haven't. I haven't earned it you yet. Have to earn it. Okay. Two yeah. things. Two things before we wrap up. I I want to bring you up. We're it. over time, and I'm going to make this quick. Yeah. One is, um, you know, I have a very fond memory of you. I think about it from time to time, a personal uh, okay. remembrance. Uh, I don't know if you remember, you were my brother's wedding. I do. Yeah. And, yeah. and I, I think it might have been the first time, time we actually ever spoke it, to each it's other. It's definitely the first time. Uh, yeah. uh, and, and I did my uh, best man speech, which I had not 
really prepared. I actually, I was pretty drunk by the time it came around <laughs> to do it. And I had been like psyching myself up. Like I had just been like, oh, I'm going to blow this in some way. And I had only started that day to form in my mind, like what the shape of the, of it could be with no notes, no anything. And then, so I riffed, uh, and it didn't seem like it went too disastrously. And then afterwards, like I, you know, you came up to me or I passed you or something and you were like, Hey, that was, that was a great speech. Yeah. And it really, as a, as you know, knowing you and knowing, you know, your work as a performer and a writer, I thought, you know what, that's an amazing compliment to get. That made me feel really good. I was like, uh, you know, if a guy who knows how hard it is, you know, to get up and be funny and to, you know, make, say something compelling, write something compelling, it was a very uh, special oh, moment so, for that's me. That's so nice. No, you. I it think was, of it, it fondly. Was, I also think a, maybe you were just really drunk, but it's it's impossible. No, you, you wouldn't no, have been. No. You're sober. Um, you wouldn't. No, have been. exactly. <laughs> this I, is amazing. Actually, yeah, my biggest fear has been compliment. <laughs> my biggest fear has been quieted. You were actually just in your right mind. <laughs> yep. I. That wow. was a wonderful wedding. Wow. That was. So, it was a. It was so a great nice. wedding. It was yeah. one of the best. The second thing, and I'll, we can do this quickly. I just wanted to get your take on it, and I feel like. Given my background and given your background, I have to ask mm-hmm. Twitter as a comedy platform. Now, you definitely you're on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You definitely use it as a platform. Uh, I mean, you're certainly like, I mean, not all the time, mm-hmm. but a lot of the time. What's your take on it? What did, give me your just give me your like t- two minute, three minute. Like, sure. What is it? What is Twitter to you and to your world? Um, well, I, I've gotten, uh, everything I've need, I don't need anything more from Twitter. Uh, cause I got, I, I got everything that I could have possibly needed you got uh, it all. from it. You know what I mean? It's just like, I, what did I want to do? I wanted to establish a, a comedic voice and, uh, now I get the, to write on TV shows. So who, who needs a fucking thing anymore? Right. Um, uh, I, you very know, bad for Twitter, very bad for Twitter. It's bad that. for Twitter that I'm doing so well in show business. Um, here's my relationship to it has changed over the years. Um, when it first started, it was a way to connect with friends that I was not in the same city as and see what everybody was doing. Um, and it just as it's always a great source for news and what's going on. Um, then it became a like, Oh wow, let's write and read some funny jokes. Yeah. Uh, then it has become sort of an outrage machine, right? Yeah. Um, which I'm really not interested in. Yeah. Uh, and I feel is a giant waste of time. Uh, so I have decided, I have sort of shifted. I now use Twitter as a way to, um, punch down and alienate people. Um, (laughs) I I have just decided to take on this, uh, persona on Twitter of being a monster in show business. Is this true? Uh, Let me look at your tweets. I haven't, uh, I think the last thing I tweeted was a, a a screenshot of Kanye West's rules for his fashion show for Uh the models. And I think I said, um, this is how unverified should speak to me or something <laughs> like I, and so my my goal is to is to is to see how many people I can get to unfollow me uh-huh. and while entertaining people that know me in real life interesting <laughs> um <laughs> interesting I didn't realize you'd made this pivot but I no, I, did. I, I just I, you know I I don't you know what it is it's like a joke toilet I don't I don't really think about it um and I don't really I don't really care. I don't think it is dead because Parker Posey just joined it. And when you have an important downtown New York City luminary like Parker Posey and myself on Twitter, how irrelevant can it be? Did you? Did you? Well, that's a good point. I love Parker Posey. Great, of uh, great. One of our great national treasures. Yeah. Uh, did you create this fake Donald Trump tweet? 
Yes, I created the fake Donald Trump. Dude, let's cut the shit already. If Johnny Ramone were alive today, yeah. you'd know he'd be one of my biggest supporters. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I created it. Very I, good. This is an I, endless, to me, the fake Donald Trump stuff is fake an Donald Trump is a Look, source you know, of joy. Here's the thing. My brain uh, is always going to think of of, uh, of topical jokes, and Twitter is a great place to, to kind of throw topical jokes out. And it's, it's the... I, it's, I, it's that's what is it's best for really. Yeah. And I love it during an award show. And oh yeah. Like, awards, I, I, the debate last night, the debate, you know, anything live, like, you know, even the Super Bowl. I don't know why people are on Twitter that don't have something to promote. Yes. Yes. <laughs> this is like, this is my big argument. You know, it's like, listen yeah. for us, people like us, it's yeah. a, it can be a blast. It can be a, a tool or whatever, yeah. but like, to a regular person, I'm kind of like, what do you, what is this like to you? Like, how will, can this seem good to you? I will say one thing. Um, I, you know, like, I think there's a lot, there's a conception of like, oh, it's good for writers. Like, you know, they look at it when they're considering to hire you for jobs and stuff. And yeah, like, yeah. as someone who sort of helps out with the hiring of, uh, of, of Billy on the street and I'll read your packet and then maybe I'll go and look at your, your Twitter profile. And, um, I have actually, and I think this is true of other people pivoted the other way where if I see somebody that's a, that's a, that I think is a great writer and I'm reading the, you know, something that they've written and they don't have a big Twitter presence, uh, and they don't have, and they have haven't tweeted very much i'll go oh good they actually write things that matter mm, they're busy interesting. Interesting. they're busy so so don't i just don't want people to think like oh you have to be funny on twitter to get like hired for a thing it's like i don't think that that plays a role uh that much i i just really? you know okay well i'm gonna have to shift I, my strategy completely i, I think I, I mean it's, it's some mm, people it depends my, on what it whole. is my whole new but deal. then so just, but then i've had friends that have gotten hired on like literally gotten hired for talk shows from twitter like yeah. gotta, you know so there's no there's no rules it's just good talented people get found and and get jobs you but know? if you go back a few years ago there was something really weird and magical happening with comedy on twitter that has yes. since like died down a little bit because well, people just got angry and people, now it's like and now and now people get like they know the twitter jokes you know yeah. like people who aren't funny know the twitter jokes uh -huh. so they've made twitter a less funny place and, and I, th and I just think that like the internet is a less funny place. And like, you know, uh, there was, you, you, I, you, I would love to talk to you about this and I don't want to go forever, but no. like, you know how the internet, um, like has always been sort of this dark, disgusting, dangerous place <laughs> yeah. where gross men are gross and like has been that way since there was an internet and people would fight in news groups. Well, now everybody has the internet. And so it's just gotten louder. And like people that maybe aren't used to coming up in that culture are like, why are we just accepting this? And they're right. Those people are right, by the way. Like, uh, you know, the internet is so big now and it is, you know, that the, the, like the the trolling shit actually you mean, like, why are we accepting kinda, the trolling? Yeah, like well, no, this is kind of quaint. Mean, it seems kind of quaint that we accept it at this point. It actually seems insane that we accept I was actually, yeah. I was just talking about this with Laura and I was saying, um, like nobody can fix this because like the problem isn't the, like, you know, there's all, you know, I actually wrote something about Twitter on in, in the New Yorker and I was like, it's a really abusive place. Like you, people can yeah. really easily attack you. The same is true on Facebook. I mean, Laura wrote some thing about voting for Hillary Clinton and I reposted it and it's just been like crazy, like days of insane, like Bernie bros commenting oh, yeah. on it. And then and, I read, and then I read a piece that like, Oh, Bernie bros don't exist. And it's like, uh, yeah, well, well no, why I'm, am I seeing it? Why like, am I seeing it? No, 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 no. They definitely exist. They're, <laughs> they're very, very real. But, but I think it's like, we need to like really reframe like how we like what we think of 
as interaction on the internet. Like, yeah. I just think it's one of these things, like in a room full of people, there's not like pretty much like 99% of these people wouldn't say a fucking word. They nope. would never say word one to anybody like this, you know? And on the internet, we're just like, yeah, well, that's just what happens. It's the internet. And it's like, well, yeah, but now we're like, everybody's on the internet all the time. So maybe so we no, should like, maybe we should think change, about using it things, differently. Yeah. yeah. Let's let, let, yeah. We have a problem with people. Not yeah, a people, problem people are the problem. Platforms. It's not, the, it's not yeah. the platform. Exactly. Thank and you. I do think that the platforms need to handle people better. I, you know, yeah. um, but, sure. but, but I think that we, you know, you know, we, I've been saying for a long time, like we definitely have a problem with young men in this country. Yeah. Like I, when I was 15 years old and an angry young uh, man, uh, I did not behave the way that I, I see a lot of, you know, it, it's just. Yeah. And like I was angry, but not at like groups of people. Yeah. You know, like I was just pissed off because I was a kid and shit sucked. I mean, because that's how being a being a teenager is, mm -hmm. you know, like being a teenager who can't get a date. I mean, that's just life, you know, but like yeah. now but they're I like then go and, and offer rape threats. Yeah. To now they're like, I formed a coalition that's, uh, you know, fighting against women who won't go out with me. It's like, you know what I mean? <laughs> They've like gathered on Reddit to like solve their problem. It's like, what is like, how are we, how do we get so off the rails as human, as a, as I a human, know. you know? group i don't know i don't know but luckily <laughs> luckily kate katie will figure it out katie natopoulos is going to she's our the the best defense we have because against. she knows how to strike the balance she, like she doesn't want we don't want the internet creep shit to totally go away no we want we, it to be just creepy enough is what we're just looking creepy for. enough but like yeah exactly no like you know there, we still want the weird don't don't have it get less weird no it just it needs to be less shit like mean Mean. Less yeah. mean. And I don't, by the way, I like mean. Mean is good. Yeah. I mean, getting back to the difficult people thing, like, yeah. I actually think I, the mean people are some of my favorite people, but there's like, there's like mean as a human. And then there's like, you're not even being a human. And I think exactly. the problem is like, there's a lack of humanity amongst. Yep. Um, it's really interesting to hear you talk about this because you're, you're coming at it from like, obviously, like I'm in the midst of this all the time. You're just like sort of, casually observing or more casually observing this i feel like yeah and, and you've reached a very similar conclusion which I, to me is like either good or horrible well it's just like <laughs> oh it's just like well this isn't nice you know what i mean like i, I don't right. need the you right. know and i don't get a lot of hate every woman i know uh that's oh, yeah. on twitter gets uh 10 times the vitriol than than i get you know? oh i mean it's if you're a woman on the internet you're like under if, you're a woman, if you're a woman in the world, you're under attack. Well, yeah, so. but on the internet, it's like yeah. um, the safety, you know, safety's off. Like you can do whatever you want because it's not real. Yeah. Do you know Sarah Schaefer? Yes. Sarah, I, I had on great. the show um, a bunch of episodes ago, but we talked about this, you know, because she's like pretty outspoken and she'll say yeah. stuff that's like not, you know, it's like she'll say things about being a woman and what it's like in the world. And it's like crazy. I've watched these conversations. I've seen it too. Yeah. And, it, and it's just like, how how do you, why are you raised like this? How is it possible you think it's okay in any situation to talk to a person like that for whatever reason, whether you disagree or not, you know, I don't understand. I also feel like an old person now, by the way, just saying this out loud. Sure. Yeah, I'm like these yeah. kids today, they have no manners, but they actually yeah, and, do have I'll, no fucking manners. Some of them do. I know a lot of great young people and, and, and there is <laughs> teens, teens by you've it. been spending time with. Yeah, yeah, the teens I spend time with, I buy them alcohol, and yeah. then they come over and tell me about trends. Sure, that's um, how, how you stay current. No, but like I just look at something like it, I never want to blame all young people because you look at something like Rookie Mag, where it's just like, oh my god, what an amazing community of, yeah. of young women. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, how does that exist? Hey, well, it's a, but it's a community surrounded by a horrible community of young men. 
Yeah, it's exactly. <laughs> There's nothing like that for not that there needs to be a rookie for men, and right. I would hate to see what that looks like. Yeah. But like, what would that look it, like? Brookie, brookie. It's like bro, rookie. Bro, I don't know. bro, rookie's the worst <laughs> thing I've ever heard in my life. Brookie, I'm starting that. Uh, yeah, start copyright brookie. Joshua Topolsky right now. <laughs> But like, you know what I mean? Like there, there are really smart young, young people doing interesting things online. And then there's, um, you know, but, but it's just like it, when the guy from 4chan, when, when Christopher Poole is like, <laughs> I'm out, yeah. like maybe, maybe it's time yeah. to, 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 to you, change yeah. things. He's like, I started the dumping ground of the internet yeah. and now the internet's too bad for me. Yeah. Like he, he's like, you know what, enough. Cause and I know that guy, he's really thoughtful and smart. You would not never believe that he was behind that thing. And right. he, you know, even he was just like, you know what? Free speech only goes so far. I don't want anything to do with this. <laughs> he's thing. like, I've had enough. Well, yeah. it's a very sad state of affairs, but also look, you know, there's hope for the future. I mean, you're spending time with teens. So, you know, <laughs> hopefully whipping some of our, some of, some of our future leaders into shape. Uh, look, Jake, this is a lot of fun. You have a to blast. you have to come back and do this again. Actually, I know since you're working on new stuff, maybe once that stuff is out. Yeah, in the world, anytime. Yeah, you can come back and we can talk about it. But I've th- really thoroughly enjoyed this uh, more than I expected. Oh, and I, man, and I had very high expectations. <laughs> good, 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 good. And uh, so thank you very much for doing this. And uh, and you got to come back on soon. Excellent. Thanks for having me. Well, that is our show for this week. We'll be back next week with more tomorrow, of course. And as always, I wish you and your family the very best, though I understand your teens have decided to start their own talk show. And I think we all know where that leads.